Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Thank you. That was almost pretty good. Good morning on this Father's Day. Good job. Good job. You're all being recorded this morning. Hey, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles with me, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This really is our fourth week in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans as we continue to hear this good news from Paul. Remembering that halfway through the book of Romans, This is like a huge celebration in Romans chapter 8. The entire chapter is celebrating, reiterating, and and, and Paul is celebrating everything he's talked about in the first seven chapters. It's a celebration of who God is. It's a celebration of our new life and our freedom in Christ. Um, And aside from the caveat in the middle of the chapter about suffering, which we've already addressed, this is um, a high time in the book of, uh, uh, in the letter to this Roman church by way of encouragement. So this morning, as I, as I wish you a happy Father's Day, I recognize that for some, this particular holiday may not bring back happy memories of love and warm family moments. For some, this day brings sadness, grief, and maybe even unanswered questions. For most, it is probably a mixture of all of the good and wonderful things as well as some of the sad things also. So I don't pretend to have all of the answers to pain and suffering, but God's word will extend to us all today a message of love and hope that includes God's promise to be a father to the fatherless and to be our, all of our heavenly father, who loves us and will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? Amen. Psalm 68.5 says, He will be a father to the fatherless and a judge on behalf of the widows. Hosea 14.3 states that, For in you the fatherless find compassion. So let's read our passage this morning. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For just that it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced 
though neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. So there's a story, uh, uh, a guy says, I once heard a woman tell of her struggle with this reality of being an unwanted child. Her mother was a prostitute and she was the accidental uh, byproduct of her mother's occupation. Although her life's uh, pilgrimage had brought her to faith in Christ, blessed her with a deeply Christian husband and beautiful children, and given her a life of love and stability, she was obsessed with the need to find out who her father was. This obsession was affecting her marriage, her family, and her life. She told how one day she was standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes, with tears of anguish and frustration running down her face and into the dishwater. In her agony, she cried out, Oh God, who is my father? Then she said, she heard a voice saying to her, I am your father. The voice seemed so real, she turned to see who had come into the kitchen, but there was no one there. Again, the voice came, I am your father, and I have always been your father. In that moment, in that moment, she knew the profound reality that Paul is speaking of. She came to know that deeper than the accident of her conception was the eternal purpose of a loving God who had spoken her forth into being before the foundation of the world. Amen. And that's what we talked about last week. So when we said, and God was working all things together on our, for our good and on our behalf, that is the best illustration I could think of of what we talked about last week. When we say that God calls you and chooses you, God calls us and chooses us out of all kinds of circumstances. God knew he was conforming this woman, just like we preached about last week, to the image of his son. He knew that she was going to be one of his chosen and loved children. God had a plan for her life. God said, I am your father. There's a girl I, I just um, grew up in our youth ministry, and um, her dad was not part of her life for several unpleasant reasons. And um, her mom was um, really close with Diane, and you know, not a big church, but Emily loved Jesus, and I remember I had the freedom to share with Emily as her youth pastor um, and as just one, one of the godly men in the church who got to be part of her life that Jesus was her dad, that God was her daddy and that Jesus loved her and that he would stand in the gap and Emily would tell you, Jesus is my daddy, God is my daddy and she knew that and her mother taught her that and we got to be part of that and I'll just never ever forget Emily married a Christian husband she's raising a family but but Emily was a child whose whose earthly daddy was not part of her life um, and yet through all the difficulties in life uh, she asked God to be her daddy look I don't do this often I'm gonna stray for one moment as we get into our passage today Paul brings a similar message to the Ephesian church in the first chapter, and I just want to read uh, th uh, three verses, uh, four verses there. 
Ephesians chapter 1, I'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. By the way, Paul says this a lot, everything. God blesses us in Christ. God saves us in Christ. God is working on our behalf in Christ. That's very important to remember. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. I like it better if your Bible says, according to the good pleasure of his will. And we talked about that same thing in two weeks ago in Ephesians, uh, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 16, 15 and 16, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy. God is our Father. So, so this morning, last week we said that God is working all things out for good on your behalf. He has chosen you, called you, loved you, saved you, and will also continue to glorify you in, right into eternity. This brings us to our final message today, Good, Good Father. So a few things for you. If you're a note taker, I'll give them to you slowly. This may be the only time you get them because you know how I run. Verse 31, your Father is for you. Your Father is for you. Verse 32, your father gave his best. Verse 32, your father gave his all. Verses 33 and 34, your father protects you. Verses 35 through 39, your father says nothing can change this. Nothing can change this. And if you'd like to put a little star by that one, just write the word assurance next to that. I lacked a good phrase for that last one there. If I, were, if I were a better preacher, you would have gotten a shorter, better phrase for that one. Nothing can change that. Verses 35 through 39. And you want to put a little star there? Say assurance. Assurance. All right. Here we go. So what shall we say then to those things? Paul begins again with a question. Paul is full of these rhetorical questions throughout this entire letter to the Romans. And then he goes on to answer his question. Sometimes he'll answer his question with another question. Paul likes to keep it deep and confusing sometimes, but it's really not. This, what shall we say then to these things? What things is Paul talking about? Is he talking about verses 28 through 30 that we just reviewed and talked a little bit about from last week? Absolutely, he's talking about those things. But he's also talking about the entire content of verses of chapters 5 through 8. What shall we say to all of these things? What shall we say to the fact that I am now standing in God's grace? What shall we say to the fact that I am no longer God's enemy, but I am at peace with God? What shall we say about the fact that, that God loves me and showed his mercy to me? What shall we say to these things? So he's asking this question about everything that he's talked about in chapters 5 through 8. And he says, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Listen, with everything that God, with God's great love for you, with God offering you salvation in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, a pure heart, a clear conscience, a new life. Remember, we said 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free. We live in freedom in Christ. So then, if God is for us, who or what could possibly be against us? Listen, when we come up on the difficult challenges in life, I've talked to, um, I talk to people who have had a lot of difficult challenges lately. You know, moms and dads who have lost their children. Um, the murder rate in our city um, is horrible. And families are losing their loved ones. And watch this, it's not just the guys. It's not just the guys. The women are losing their lives. Children are being caught up in the danger in our city. And so what are we supposed, how do we respond to this? We say that if God is for us, who could possibly, what could come against us? I watch the news way too much. I get disappointed. I get discouraged. Sometimes I say, God, where are you? God is sovereign. God is still saving people. People are still confessing their sins and coming to faith in Christ. God is working things out. Uh, in his in his sovereignty and in his plan for the world so paul says listen be encouraged if god is for us who could possibly be against you on this father's day i like to say that god your heavenly father if you are his child if you are his son and daughter if you have come to him in salvation then god is for you and guess what he's the only one that has to be for you our earthly dads weren't and aren't perfect and some may say, Charlie, you're saying that very generously. And others may say, hey, I had a good dad and a good home, and, 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 and I was raised in my home with my dad. But, but God, your heavenly Father, he is perfect, and he is for you. And so when you're in that trial and in that difficult time, run to your daddy. Run to your daddy because he's trustworthy. Your heavenly father is always trustworthy. Your heavenly father doesn't make mistakes when he gives you advice. Your heavenly father doesn't lead you down any wrong path. Your heavenly father will not give you bad advice. Sometimes what your heavenly father may ask you or show you to do may not be easy. Watch this. It may not be easy, but it's going to be for you. It's going to be for you. Your heavenly father is for you. And then we see what does God, uh, what does Paul say in verse 32? He's saying, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us. Listen, God did two things. God gave you his very best. When God loves you as your heavenly father, God gives you his best and God gives you his all. Listen, God sacrificed his son. Jesus willingly went to the cross because his father asked him to. Jesus in the Gospel of John makes it very clear that he was going to do this in obedience to the Father. Because the Father was in him and he was in the Father and we are one, he says, in the Gospel of John. Some of you were here for that. We preached through the Gospel of John two years ago. Oh my goodness. And so, so God was working this out, right? On your behalf, God in Jesus Christ offered you his best in salvation. Listen, we were separated from God by our sinfulness. We were on our way to eternal separation from God. But because he loved you so much, he sacrificed his son. Jesus willingly came here. He lived. He suffered. He bled. He died. He conquered death and sin when he rose from the dead and shed his blood for you and for me. 
God gave his best for us. He did not spare anything. Look, God didn't hold back. God didn't keep any, God didn't say, I'm going to keep a little something, something for me over here. No, God gave you his best. He put his best out for you. And he put his best out. Uh, he, he gave it all for you. Um, verse 33 and 34 are very interesting. By the way, it says at the end of 32, how will he not give us all things? You know, if God gave me everything I wanted, I'd be dead. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'd be back in rehab. I'd be dead. Who knows where I'd be, right? But what he's saying here is God freely gives you all things and I'm going to be careful here because the sentence ends there. But he gives you everything that you need. God will freely give you everything that you need as his child for eternity. For eternal, for his eternal purposes and for his glory and for your and my good. My, our, our good. Okay? That's what God will do when it says, will he not freely give us all things? God is a generous father. I think in James chapter 1, when it says if we ask God for wisdom, he gives it to us generously. That just means that God doesn't hold back. When God is giving something good for his children, he doesn't hold back. In verses 33 and 34, I wrestled with this. And, and, then, and then I actually paid attention to the scripture. And I went back to Romans chapter 5 and started rereading. Listen, when I say that, in verses 34 and 35 that your father protects you and when it says here that who he asked two more questions right who can condemn you and who can bring a charge against you as God's child watch this nobody nobody why remember you we've already been to court you and I we've already been to court some of us been to court more than others oh, I'm sorry that's not what I'm talking about we have already been to court We've already remember our advocate, our lawyer, our advocate, Jesus Christ by our side. God is a judge. God is sitting up in the center of the room. We've already been to court. And because of Jesus, God has declared you, you, his child, you who have cried out to him for salvation. God has already declared you not guilty. Not only are you not guilty, it's as if you never committed the sins that you did commit. Why? Because God sees you, this is very important, God sees you as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, amen? So when Paul says here, who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones, that word elect, who will bring a charge against you? Who will condemn you? Watch this. If Paul, I could picture Paul get a little attitude, right? Nobody. Nobody. Why? Because of Jesus. So if I just went back to Romans chapter 5, remember before I knew Christ, in verses 6 through 11, I'm helpless. I'm ungodly in verse 6. In 8, I'm a sinner. And in 10, I am God's enemy. Enemy. Helpless sinner, ungodly enemy of God. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He died for me. He poured out his love for me. So even God chose not to condemn me. And even God chose not to charge me. But God called me to salvation. Today, he might be calling one of you to salvation. Or maybe many of us just need that reminder that, watch this. We started out in chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of us who know Christ Jesus need to remember that and not let 
fear, guilt, shame, and I'll throw in anger, but fear, guilt, shame, and anger run our lives. Why? Because that condemnation is part of your past. It's not part of your present, and it's not part of your future. Those of us who are in recovery uh, and in recovery groups, uh, we talk about some of these things, about who I used to be and who I am now. And in Celebrate Recovery, we talk about some of these very things that the scriptures say. Why? Because I have been set free from the law of sin and death. So look, that law no longer applies to me. Why? Because of what God did in Jesus Christ in saving me. So we've already been to court. If you're God's child, no one can condemn you and no one can charge you. I will say this about fathers. Story and sometimes I can do it okay. There were a couple times that in my life, even though I claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that I'm just a, I was just a whole big mess back then. But but I remember um, my earthly dad extending love and grace to me when he could have done some other things. Uh, I remember a night that um, I had used drugs uh, to the point where I won't go in as to the whole story, but to the point where I couldn't move. I had passed out under a bridge in the neighborhood, and police said that if I couldn't get up and walk, he was taking me to jail. And yeah, that was like like foggy in my head. And somehow I managed to call home at like 1.30 in the morning. Mind you, I'm 18, 19 years old. Uh, I had smoked some stuff that wasn't right. And, and you know what my dad did? I was 18, 19 years old. My dad came up there in the middle of the night in front of police and picked me up off the ground. My dad wasn't, you know, my dad's not a little fella. Picked me up off the ground and laid me in the back of the car and drove me home. Picked me up out of the car and took me in the house. I don't remember, now it was a long time ago. I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer a young, younger guy. I don't remember my dad um, condemning me for that. I don't remember my dad even cracking jokes on me for that. And that was something we were good for in my house, right? Um, but my dad didn't condemn me and he didn't, he didn't charge me. One time, a friend of mine almost killed us. And because of what he did, we couldn't like call the uh, fire rescue ambulance. So we got in my car and my friend was literally, he was like dying in my car. And I drove home in the middle of the night and my dad, I said, look, I don't know what to do. So you know what I did? I went home and woke up my dad. And my dad drove us to the hospital and my dad tiptoed around a story that may or may not have been honest, I don't know. But my dad, guess what? My dad was for me. And he may have had to tiptoe around some honesty issues that particular night. But not only did he save my friend's life, he kept us from probably being incarcerated, which was what we would have deserved. But just a story, um, just a story that when I think about being condemned and being charged, you know, my dad chose not to condemn me. I mean, there were other times, you know, things weren't perfect in my relationship with my dad. But my earthly daddy was trying to model Jesus for me in his life. And so there were difficult times in our lives that my earthly daddy wanted me to see Jesus in him. And so uh, those are some things that I'll never forget. Now, we went fishing, we went camping, mom and dad came to my ball game sometime, you know, so all the good things were there too. Um, and I do have a good earthly dad. But, but when we talk about the fact, so, so your father protects you. Sometimes your heavenly father will protect you even when you think you don't deserve it. 
But you know what? You are his child and your behavior will not change that. Your behavior will not change your right standing with God in Jesus Christ. I know somebody needs to hear that because I need to hear it. I need to hear it often. How do I know that? Romans chapter 5, when it says Jesus saves us in verse 2, it says by faith we stand in this grace. And it says when Jesus saves you, you are standing in his grace. And it's something that happens right away and it continues to happen into eternity. So you are standing in God's... Now, and then Paul says, is that an excuse to sin? Paul says, oh, heck no. And he, Romans chapter 6, right? What shall we say then? Shall we sin so that more great... No, 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 Paul says. Paul says, let's get this right now, y'all. But so we see here what Paul is celebrating at the end of Romans uh, chapter 8 here. He's saying... He's saying that none of these things... Uh, uh, no one can bring a charge against you. No one can condemn you. And then nothing can change that. He says, well, he says, well, what happens and what can separate me from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation or hard times? Persecution. Nobody suffered more persecution than Paul did. I've never really truly suffered real persecution for my faith in the United States of America uh, as a Christian. Um, but he says, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Twice since I've lived in the city, I've seen something I've never seen before, and, and it hurt my heart. Um, if this is out of bounds, y'all can, can text me some hate mail later on. You know, um, nakedness could be very humiliating. Twice, twice when I've been around you know, early in the morning or late at night, I remember a friend of mine, he got beat up really badly. From the sounds of it, in some form or fashion on the street, he may have earned that. But one of the things the fellows did to him they stripped him butterball naked and told him, get down the street. And it was the humiliation and disrespect of nakedness. And, and the other day, I pulled up early one morning and a couple people were giggling and told me I had just missed somebody walking down the street, you know, butterball naked again. And that was a form of, that's a form of humiliation and disrespect. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's a level of humiliation and disrespect I can't even imagine. And, and Paul says here, can anything separate us uh, from the love of Christ? Nakedness, famine, peril, or sword? Um, he quotes uh, Psalm 46, 22. Uh, I want to get that right for you. Um, he quotes that Psalm, and Paul is saying, for your sake we're being put to death all the day long. Look, Paul saying, and if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists some of the horrible things that happened to him in persecution and serving Jesus. And it's a great reminder to us about true suffering. Um, but Paul is saying here, look, none of these things. Verse 37, he stops in the middle of the list. And he says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Listen, we don't just get by. Because of your Heavenly Father and who He is and because of Jesus, we don't just get by. We don't just squeak through. We overwhelmingly conquer. And even if you don't feel that way today as a Christian, that is the reality in your life. Listen, because of Jesus, we can overwhelmingly conquer. Why? Because of His love for us. And He goes on and He says, 
but in all these things we were conquerors. For I am convinced. Think, just try to picture the conviction that Paul has here. Neither death nor life, now he's going to finish the list. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. I, I think about the eternal nature of who God is, right? We say that God knew you ahead. He predestined, he called you, he chose you. He says, look, things present, nor the future, things that we don't know, things that we struggle with in the present, the future that we don't know, or powers that we don't even know how to identify, spiritual darkness. He says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Nothing in the created universes uh, of this world and the worlds outside of this world. Nothing, the height nor depth, I think Paul is just being spatial here. Nothing in all of creation, he says, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in, here we go, in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you. He gave his best and he gave his all when he gave Jesus for you. So your heavenly father extended the best love. He extended all of the love. He is for you. He gives his all. He is protecting you and nothing can change that. Those verses 35 through 39 are your assurance as a follower of Jesus Christ that God is going to continue to do what he said he was going to do. As a matter of fact, this verses 35 through 39 is what we call an inclusio. It starts and ends with the love of Christ. So those, those five verses there, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, those five verses there are all about the love of Christ. He starts in 35. Who or what can separate me from God's love? And he ends in 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. What can separate us from God's love? Nothing can separate us, amen, from God's love. Nothing. Nothing up there, nothing down there. No evil powers, things in heaven, things in the earth, things below the earth. Persecution, the hardships and distress that you and I go through in life. None of that can separate you from the love of God. So Paul finishes this chapter. It's like a crescendo. It's like a high point in this letter to the Roman people. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you allow me, and I hope I don't, I hope I don't um, break our flow here, but you know, uh, I missed something here in verse 34 when we talk about how your father protects you. You know, last week we talked about um, the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groans and words when we can't even make the words, when we don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit is going before the throne on your behalf. Well, look in uh, verse 34. He's talking about Jesus who was raised, who is at the right hand of the God who also intercedes for us. Whether figuratively or literally, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf to God. The Father and the Son are in sync, and so is, so is Holy Spirit. They are all in sync, and yet somehow both the Holy Spirit and your Savior are going to your Daddy on your behalf. God knows who you are. God knows what you need. Your Father is for you. He loves you. He's got this. 
He's got any of y'all used to watch George Lopez back in the day? And George, right before he would get in trouble, he'd say, I got this. Yeah. And if y'all were young, you need to go back, watch some, find George Lopez on some Nick at night or something. But he would always say, I got this. Well, your heavenly father, he really does got this. He does. And I don't want to oversimplify the theology here, and particularly what we talked about last week regarding God's calling and choosing of his children and God's love for you and how we struggle to grasp the eternity of God, the eternality of God, when we say, does God choose some and not others? The Bible says God loved for God so loved the whole world. I don't want to oversimplify, but know this. Jesus Christ died for the sins of all he is going to call to salvation. And if you are God's child, your heavenly Father is for you, he gave you his, he gives you his best, he gives you his all, he protects you, and absolutely nothing can change that, amen? So I hope then, remember, as we appropriate and apply, I like that, we keep saying that, right? We might get it right. As we appropriate God's word, we make it our own, so you make, I make, we make God's word our own, and then we apply it to our lives. I can go forth and live victoriously as a conqueror because of Jesus Christ. I don't have to live in the defeat of my past sins. Um, my past does not define me. Jesus does. I do not have to live in the failures of yesterday because my sins are forgiven. Every day truly is a fresh start with God. We know it's not an excuse to sin. We already know that. So your heavenly Father loves you. He's got you. And when he says, we cry out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy, help me, he will do that. And by just by, I, I would just beg you today, if you are not certain that you are God's child, that you are not certain that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I've just given you the best reasons that I know for you to come to Christ today. For you, to, for you to cry out to him and say you want forgiveness for your sins, that you want God to be your daddy and Jesus to be your savior, that you want to be a follower of Jesus, that you want to be a Christian. And friends, if we know Jesus, remember to walk in the truth that you are his child. Remember that your past and yesterday do not define you. Remember that your father protects you. He gave his all. He gave his best. Our earthly fathers are not perfect, but your heavenly Father is. Amen? This morning comes to lead us in our closing time of worship today. Just spend that time prayerfully considering God's word today. What has God said to me? What do I need to make my own? And how will I apply that to my life today when I go out? Amen?